Well, welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast where we talk about faith and ministry. Uh, I'm David Libby. And I'm Josh Hawk. And we're here today with uh, um, someone I've looked up to for a long time, and he'd probably think that's ridiculous, um, a guy named Reese Roper. Uh, thanks for being here, Reese. Yeah, thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah, this is the uh, lead singer of a band called Five Iron Frenzy, um, a band that I got I got super into. So I was um, I was a trombone player in junior high and high school, and um, it wasn't till I saw the Supertones at an event once that I was like, oh, uh, playing trombone can be not can be actually cool <laughs> yeah a, a little bit not um super nerdy and then um and then i got i got back and i went to school and i was i was talking about this band the oc supertones and they was like uh my friend was like you need to you need to go check out the insiders and five oh, yeah, iron frenzy the and then and then i think i think the w's around the same time you remember when they were a thing for like a week yes yeah we- we went on 142 tours with them. <laughs> yeah. No, I was I was super into them. Um uh yeah, but Five Iron. So I I picked up that was right when Quantity is Job 1 dropped. And so that was my intro and I heard the um I heard the horn part to My Evil Plan to Save the World and that was it, man. That was <laughs> I was there. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been, I've been a, a fan since then, but, um, full disclosure, I am not a big five iron frenzy fan. Um, well, full disclosure, <laughs> I am not either, but I will say like my, my <laughs> wife who happens to be a, a horn player too, or was like, she loved you guys too. And so when, when she found out that you're going to be on the show, like I, I just went up a c- couple notches in coolness, so I, oh, right I appreciate that. You know, like you doing me a solid in that. So I am. Um, I should say your, um, like outward hatred for your own band is one of my favorite <laughs> things in the world. I went to see you in Seattle, which, by the way, was, um, the chillest audience for a. a ska show i'd ever seen. i think you called us like a farmer's market um it was it like people were just sort of laid back and and watching but i i went to see you after and you you know you were super nice and chatted with me and then you handed me a business card and i'm like hey this is cool and it's just a link to the i hate five iron frenzy <laughs> facebook group <laughs> and i'm like he printed up thousands of these <laughs> I just um, I just found a bunch of those the other day and I started giving them to my kids. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that was that was my favorite thing in the world. I told my dad about that Facebook group and you're like his his favorite person now. He just went to YouTube and Googled Reese Roper. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> So Reese, our, our show, we, we, uh, we talked with Justin McRoberts, uh, um, a little bit ago and, um, just a really amazing conversation. Um, but this, this idea that David and I feel like we've, we've kind of stumbled upon or, or maybe have kind of been, been gifted. Um, but this idea of unsuccess, um, and that like, of course, chasing, we, we all know that chasing after, 
you know, the, the dream chasing after the American dollar, chasing after fame and fortune, like it always leaves you empty and wanting more. And, you know, there's never, it's never, ever enough. Um, and, and so like our, our show, like we, the, the guests that we interviewed just like talking about like life experience and how like this, almost the second half of life, um, that Richard Rohr speaks of that, you know, we kind of, many of us, um, grow into where we start to like, to let go of those things, I guess. And to realize that the point of life is not to be successful. Um, and even looking at Jesus life, you know, his, never was, has Jesus called us to a life of success. Um, but it's more motifs like faithfulness and obedience. Um, you know, that, oh, that, that the kingdom of God really is, is about, and that Jesus invites us into. And and it's only there that, um, kind of true, uh, true peace, true, true fulfillment, um, and, and contentment happens. Um, And, uh, so yeah, so just, it's, it's a great opportunity to kind of chat with you about kind of some of your experience. I know David has some, some thoughts, um, but there's this tension also that, that we live in, um, David and I are both pastors, um, and you as a musician where like you, you have a message and even something like that God lays on your heart, but then there's the business side of that, um, even as pastors of like where where we have to like guard or sometimes there's, there's pressure at least, um, to like guard what we say because our job is dependent on it. And, and I've, I've heard of in I mean, in this crazy time that we live right now, you know, like pastors are getting let go because they're speaking what God has laid on their heart and the people, their congregation are like, um, no, that that's, that's not what, what we want. And so, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Um, as, as like an example, I, uh, I did a message, um, arguing that maybe we shouldn't, um, be, uh, we, we should be supporting refugees and not caging kids at the border. This was in 17 or 18. And, um, a family left our church pretty angry about that. (laughs) Like that, that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Uh, Um, so (laughs) it's so hard to challenge people with the with the gospel. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, and so that's just the gospel. That's the old Testament. Yeah, <laughs> it was. And it, yeah, it was, I've, I went back over that so many times being like, did I push too hard? And I'm like, no. I barely, I barely brought my own words. It was just the Bible. Um, so, so what, like I heard you on a podcast recently and I was like, man, like, I feel like he's, been there some because uh, you were kind of talking about the push pull of being honest and also um, wrestling with like your your publicist or whatever wanted to actually sell your records. <laughs> yeah, like what what kind of what kind of stuff did you run into in like the mid nineties and the and um, into the two thousands? Yeah, so it. Uh, I don't know. It, it wasn't. Dang it! I plugged in my phone, and now that jumping i <laughs> iTunes thing is gonna bother me. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta cut this out of your 
out, out of the record. Okay. Nah, it's cool. We we leave everything I in. Don't, I don't care if you put the new iPhone <laughs> stuff around. I don't want it. Um, man, it 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 is so different doing doing it for a living versus mm. doing it because you love it. And I feel like we had we had a good label in Five Minute Walk where they would let us get away with most things as long as it was done in love. Um, but Frank, who was the, the owner of five minute walk, he would occasionally just kind of have to talk to us about lyrics or um, not really behavior, you know, that the, the label um, they had rules. We couldn't drink when we were on a Christian tour. Um, and, to be honest, when we started, half of us didn't drink anyway. Mm. Um, it never was just, it never was a thing. Um, I think, it, it, you know, and then it kind of became something we would do. We'd go on secular tours. We'd go on general market tours and other bands would want to go have a drink. And it was okay then. And, and the band, you know, the label was okay with it. But mostly in terms of what we said or what was said from stage, um, I think the label just really encouraged us to, to just do so in love. Um, they really supported us. There's some lyrics that we had to talk over, you know, and it was more just, is it worth, you know, is this, it was kind of like a, is this a hill you're willing to die on mm -hmm. speech we'd get, you know, because, it, it would, you know, bands, <clears throat> bands would totally get their albums pulled and just get, uh, you know, blackballed in the Christian market for saying things um, or saying things a certain way. And mm -hmm. so what's a, if, that, if it's a, it, to, like, if it's okay now, what, what sorts of things got like, or were, were threatening to a Christian label? It's if, uh, if it's going to get you in trouble, keep it. <laughs> No, no, no. We we just have like a kind of it's like a just an infantile sense of humor in our band. So um, I'm trying to think what we what we tr we're thinking about calling the first album the lippy nipple of Nippy Chapang. <laughs> <laughs> which we just were like Andy our drummer just he just talks in gibberish and especially back then he would just for hours you just hear him flip it he'd just be like you know flabohambe flippy nipple of nippy chapang and he'd just make up songs and we we're like oh that should be the album name the lippy nipple of nippy chapang <laughs> and when we told Frank the owner of five minute walk, he was like, um, I think it's funny, but it's really not going to go over in the Midwest. And he mm -hmm. would pull that phrase out quite a bit where he would just be like, this is not going to go over in the Midwest. You know, <laughs> it's going to get pulled out of the Bible bookstores. Christian is supply isn't it? running that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, he was, he was almost always right. Um, mm. You know, there, there's, there's, but the, the, the difference, though, is I think we kind of pulled our punches then. We're, we're working on a new album, and I don't want to say we don't hold anything back, because there is, there, 
there still is something that just that we've gained in wisdom where it's, I, I don't want to burn bridges. I don't want to hurt people, but I also think that we are in this stage in history and, and with the church where you can't just, you can't be lukewarm. You know, it's, it's Jesus talking to the church at Laodicea. It's like you have to pick a side and it seems that most of the church is picking the side of, Hey, we're going to go with politics and just kind of Mm -hmm. ignore what, ignore what the president is doing or, or the fact that he's a rapist or a racist and um, just all the garbage he he says that he's locking kids in cages and proud of it. Like they just ignore that because there's the hope that he might get another Supreme court Mm -hmm. justice Mm -hmm. and they'll overturn Roe versus Wade. And it's, it's garbage to me. I can't, I cannot see the character of Christ at all in the way that evangelical church is behaving or especially the president. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say he's not a Christian, but um, he does not behave like one. And I think the church is not behaving like Christ Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in following him. Yeah. It's a tough thing because you want to, you don't want to say who's a Christian and who's not, but you also like, um, you also want to see the fruits of the Spirit come out of a a person who's mm-hmm. uh, who's following Christ, and so it's or the church, you know, like yeah. that. I want the church to be that the world needs the church to be Christ, and they're not. Yeah, we the world needs the church so badly right mm. now. And we're failing. So back to what you're saying, I I just feel like this is not what we do for a living. We all have jobs now. We don't, we don't have anything to lose Mm -hmm. except, Mm -hmm. you know, except that we would regret not saying what has to be said. And then I think just saying it correctly, like I I don't want to, I don't think we want to hurt people in what has to be said or the way that we say it, but um, there's some harsh things that need to be said to the church. Do you, as, as the primary like lyricist, do you like agonize over the way that you like your wording and the way that you say things or does it just sort of flow out? Yeah, no, it's just, it never stops. I just never stop thinking about it. And I'm to the point now, you know, we've been in this band for 25 years so I I can tell immediately when I write a lyric that's gonna bother me later. So I'll I'll <laughs> I'll I'll let it pass because it it uh you know it has a rhyme in it that fits or the meter is correct or it says the right thing. But usually before we record it, I'll kind of just chew on it for as much time as I have. And I have, you know, like in the document I'm building where I'm writing the lyrics, I'll change the font to Comic Sans because <laughs> it, it annoys me enough that I'll I'll remember to go back and fix it. Hmm. I got um for just as a as an FYI, um, Comic Sans and Papyrus are like the two most hated fonts mm-hmm. out there, and so someone yeah. sells online. They made a mashup like a Comic Sans Papyrus font. If you just need to really hate it. Oh, I will, I will find that. That's out there. 
I'm I'm a bit of a like a typographer and and David just does that stuff to irritate me all the time. Too. I do, I do. We're actually we're 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 working on merging our churches right now and we put out this twenty page doc and every time I edit something in it, he just gets so pissed off. Like he's he's so mad at me. Just give me like Helvetica and I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I can write and I don't care what it looks like once it's done. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I will just automatically convert all the documents to Helvetica. I can't, <laughs> it, it annoys me if they're not in Helvetica. Um, so, if you're on a PC, it has to be Arial. No, I no Arial's garbage, man. <laughs> I, mean, I just, PCs I think PCs are garbage. Are garbage. Yeah, thank you. David's a PC guy and like, uh, uh, sorry, David. No, it's fine. I'm a, I'm an, uh, so, right, a we're cheap, re- shitty PC guy on a Mac right now. So, you know, who's got the last laugh now? I, who's got the last laugh? <laughs> so Reese, you, you talk about, um, like uh, having nothing to lose. How, because, like, frankly, like, I think like our best sermons come when we we have that that spirit. The best preachers, like your best leaders, you you lead the best way when you operate in that with like this. You you're not afraid. There's not this timidity, and that's when that's when we're able to be the the most true uh, versions of ourselves, I guess. And so, like over the years, as you have have grown into that how has that how has that freedom or how has that changed your your message and just your whole outlook on on your music um so i i I don't want to say there's never like i've ever hit that point where i actually have nothing to lose but i've been close you know Mm -hmm. I, i i still don't want to lose my friends i don't you know, I don't want to alienate my family. It's just not worth it. You know, yeah, like yeah. Th- there's nothing I have to say that is that important that I've, I feel like it's worth losing friendships or, um, or my family, my relationship with my family or any of that money wise though. And housewise, um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, just what you're saying that um, the the better I do as a professional, as a, as a nurse that, you know, the more stuff I accrue, the, the more um, kind of it, it owns me. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't mind losing that. I wouldn't mind just going, going back to absolute zero and, you know, like yeah. living paycheck to paycheck and, and, not having to worry about saving for retirement or my kids college or anything. Yeah. Um, I can tell you though. So I, I became a nurse, um, about, I went to nursing school about 15 years ago. Um, and right now I'm, I'm like probably in my seventh year of being a, an administrator hmm. in, in nursing. I was at like an assisted director of nursing of a nursing home. And then I worked in an ICU for a while and then went back and became an administrator again. Um, and I, I'm not very functional in that job when I'm trying too hard. Mm. 
when I not not trying too hard, but like trying to keep my job, trying to please people. Mm. When I hate my job so much that I'm just like, what what's the worst that's gonna happen? They're gonna fire me. Mm. Then mm-hmm. I I feel like it just opens up everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that I'm I've I become like a terrible worker. Right. But then you know, like what is keeping me there is my own sense of self-worth and, and just who I think God has made me. Um, not the fact that I'm like, oh, I got a, I've got a mortgage payment. I've, I've got this. Mm-hmm. That's a, it is a great thing being a nurse because I've, I've told my bosses this, like, I like, I'm not doing this to keep my job because I know you could fire me right now and I could have another job by yeah. the time I hit yeah, the parking yeah. lot. Yeah. You know, it just, there's such a nursing shortage that I, I, I'm not worried about that. But, And that has, like, for me, my wife's a nurse in the ICU, and that that has given us enough security also where, you know, like, it, it frees me up. We're not dependent on, you know, like, my salary from the church. Um, That's nice. And, uh, and so it does, it does give some of that, that freedom, but like, I think you're right. Like you, you are the best nurse when you're not like fighting for your job, but when yeah. you're, when you're not afraid of being fired or let go, you know, like, you know, you, you're able to give it your all. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's something there for sure. I, yeah, I think especially, you know, I, I, being in management, being the director of nursing, if I have just made that decision, like, I, I really don't care if they fire me. I would love going back to being just a floor mm. nurse. All of a sudden, I'm just doing my job because I'm me mm-hmm. or because this is, this is the best version of myself I can put forward right now. You know, I, I need some more coffee in me and I'm going to go in there and I feel like helping people or I feel mm-hmm. like this is a, a problem and I'm going to go in there and, and fix it. And I think it's a great place to be. I think it's a great place for anybody. And when I end up, you know, being, you know, the director of nursing and I'm giving people advice, this is how I talk to them. I just <laughs> like, look, I don't, I don't care what, what you're checking off on your list or, or what you're doing to impress me. What I want you to come to work and do is is just be the best you that you can be today. I want you to like yourself at the end of the day. So what does that take? You know, what what does it take to make you feel like you you are the person you want to be that you like? And sometimes I I don't take my own advice, but hmm. it's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good to have. Yeah. Uh, so good. Um so you you talked some about um, uh, your your friends, and he, I heard you on another podcast talking about um, lyric struggles with other band members. And I kind of wonder, yeah. like, when if if I want to say something to someone, like in a message or something, I can do that. Like mm-hmm. I can write down whatever I want. Um, well, David, just but, pause. We're about to be like theoretically maybe co-pastors. So, yeah. well, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I can still say, I can still say whatever I want. Um, you <laughs> like? But can you? I mean, you're you're right. can't, you can't just ramble. You have yeah. to come up with a 
a topic. You have to back yeah. it up with the Bible. You that's, have to. That's fair. Uh, you have to have three points. I'm three, just saying, like, I don't, I don't necessarily like if if I say something, it's not necessarily coming from like the entire leadership of the church. If you write hmm. like something down, um, you're kind of in essence the mouthpiece for eight people. So right. what's, what's it like to work things through eight different people who have eight somewhat different points of view, I imagine? Yeah, it used to be far easier. Um, mm. We had kind of just, you know, the, like say four guys in the band didn't care. They'd just be like, I don't, I don't know what that guy does. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd turn him off so I don't hear him in the, in the, <laughs> in the speakers and then. Uh, yeah, every once in a while I'll listen to the album and I'll be like, oh, that's pretty good. You know, <laughs> some four guys in the band are at that spot. And they're just like, whatever. Um, that's not true. Maybe two of them, though, for sure. And the other guys are just like, maybe they're like, oh, you know, Reese's Lyrics are really good. I'm just going to stay out of it. Um, but it's probably me and three other people we we have to chew through things um they'll they'll come back and say like um i don't know probably about four albums ago we started just sitting down and going over the lyrics together because i wanted i i felt that burden you know you said that i'm speaking for eight people so i didn't want them to feel like something i was sliding in that they they were opposed to, or they didn't like it. Usually it's wording. They'll go after phrases or they'll not like a word or they'll not like pronouns. Um, something, something to that effect. And we'll kind of work it out together. Sometimes it's a whole song though. You know, they'll mm -hmm. just be like, I don't like what this song's about. Try it again. And I, I don't know. I, 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 I appreciate that. I could, you know, I could always kind of be egotistical and say, no, mm -hmm. I, I've done this for 25 years. Let me do this. Um, but I, they're also my best friends and I don't want to hurt them. And they do have good points. Mm. And I think that talking that's talking through lyrics and just what we're saying as a band, um, it's important to me. It's, and I think it's important to them. Cool. Yeah, I mean, whatever, uh, whatever happened before Engine of a Million Plots was fired. So whatever, whatever you did there, <laughs> I there is one lyric that absolutely like, I I think I think what I really vibe with when I listen to you guys. Um, first of all, the callouts for the church, um, but but what I really think I feel um, in you as I listen to the lyrics is there's a lot of talk right now about like deconstruction and reconstruction of faith but but i i feel like you've just kind of been in a constant like wrestling with god and fighting with god forever um at least that's that's what comes through to me and maybe it's just because like that's where i always find myself and you had a lyric um i don't know how you meant it but um at the first track it just said my only hope is that you cannot not be real. And I mean, like, I, 
I just sort of hold to that in my in my like lowest times. I'm like, just the idea of not not even being sure of God's presence, God's existence, but just just like in my lowest times, just that hope of it is um, has has been a, a a really powerful hold to me. So again, I don't know how you meant it, mm-hmm. but like your your lyrics sort of cut to a part of me that um, that that I really need in, in certain times, especially in ministry where there's like not a lot of people to go to with like, yeah, <laughs> with, with uh, doubts or questions about God. There's, mm-hmm. there's very few people that you can be like, Hey, um, I don't know if <laughs> all of this is bullshit or not, <laughs> you know? Um, so for whatever reason, your lyrics seem to speak to me in that way. And engine especially, they they were all over that album. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I feel that um, kind of early on in Five Iron, we went. So the the good thing about Five Iron was we were in a really bad metal band. Four <laughs> of us were before Five Iron, and it was like early nineties metal. <laughs> industrial it was awful and it was <laughs> like, just a like lot of like bad nine inch nails kind of yeah but awful <laughs> awful music and lyrics and the, the lyrics were all just like condemning like get your life right jesus is good you know just <laughs> awful garbage lyrics like like a a, a guy who was told um uh to to be the youth pastor because we had no one but doesn't know what to say. So <laughs> get your yes. life right. Don't have sex. <laughs> That's exactly it. It was like <laughs> that guy writing lyrics for an industrial metal band. <laughs> but um, so we started Five Iron as just kind of like a side project of that band. And it became uh. our band. It became our band the first show. Because Five Iron was just this wacky outlet for joy. Mm. And mm. all of a sudden, we were like, mm. this is what we want to do. No one wants that music. We hate it. Let's do this. <laughs> it was punk and ska. And um, I remember <clears throat> writing, when we were writing, trying to build up for our first album. We have a song called Where Zero Meets 15. Yeah. And it's, you know... I I was I was going to school. I was going to um, school at University of Colorado at Denver, which is downtown Denver. And then we lived, you know, about ten. I want to say about two miles outside of the, the city center. So just like uh, it's called Capitol Hill. It's this little neighborhood outside of downtown Denver. Um, so I had to ride the bus home, and I just remember I it was 10 o'clock. I had a, like an art, I was an art minor. So I had like some painting class. I was coming home exhausted, waiting for the bus. And I was waiting at the corners where these two buses come. And there was just like people at, uh, strung out with their kids, like just mm. on, on heroin and asking about my tattoos and homeless dude asking, you know, calling me John Elway and yelling at me because he thought I fumbled and, all these things that are described in this song and, and 
I just was like, I have to write this down. Yeah. I have to make this into a song. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is so cool. So in my heart, you know, like as a Christian, I'm like, this is going to be a good song. I'm going to talk about how God changed everybody and hmm. how, how, what we have to do as Christians. And I got, I got halfway through and I was like, I'm, I'm lying. Yeah. All I felt was lost. That was all, all I felt. I felt helpless and lost. I didn't have money to give them. I didn't have good advice. I was tired. I didn't have time. You know, I didn't, I had nothing. Uh, uh, and I wrote that song and, and I was just like this, I, I can either make something up or just write it. And it still ministers to me. When I read those lyrics, I'm like, I remember that. And I remember feeling like that. And you talk about um, just going through your faith and having to reconstruct it. I think that, you know, me being a Christian for 35 years, I feel like it still happens. It still happens at least yearly, if not monthly, where you start just whatever, whatever you're angry about in your head. You know, like for me, it's that I live in Virginia a lot of times. You know, like, I'm like, why, why am I stuck here? You know what? Why am I? <laughs> yeah. What God, why did you let this happen? You know what? I was this and you know, like you just it kind of, falls apart you get angry at god and then you're it's just chips away and you have to build it back up from wherever you start like whatever your basic given is for your faith you know and like for me it, it is like something miraculous that happened um a couple things and and i'm just like you know what god is real and he loves me because of that mm-hmm. so start over and then rebuild and so like with that song it was kind of one of those moments for me where I just had to be like, it's okay to talk about this. Mm. It is okay as a Christian to say this. And it, it is definitely okay to say to the world that we doubt things and that um, I don't have all the answers. I, I do believe this because I want to help because I w- wish the world could be fixed. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure that out. Um. So like with Fiverr and that's just our thing. What works is being honest. Yeah. 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 Um, and you, you carried that through like every album. It seems like you, you had um, something to say, whether it was like um, condemning corporations or what, but like um, it always felt like it was coming from a very personal place for you. Yeah. Um, so I, I tend to just pick things. So in that metal band, it would be like, you're not a Christian. This is why it sucks. <laughs> you know, it'd just be that kind of. Did you uh, record just, any of that? Cause, uh, <laughs> be fun to listen back. <laughs> no, it would not. you would, you would, so you would bad, never send man. it to me. Cause you know, the internet's a thing and you know, <laughs> yeah. I'd put it everywhere. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's so bad. I have, I think I have the tapes in the, in my basement and they're like on an eight track. So if I find that one of these old eight track tape recorders, I could do it, but I don't even want to listen to yeah, it. Yeah. I, I was going to say, don't, you're going to, you're just going to so hate bad. yourself. You don't need to have that kind of self-loathing. I know. I have enough. Plenty. Oh God. Uh, Zero Meets 15 has actually, like, hit me, you know, I've listened to that song for 20 years now, but, like, uh, or 15, whatever, and 
Um, we as a church just last year started, we're um, building a, a transitional tiny home village for homeless folks in Portland, um, which is pretty rad. And then, uh, you know, and it's this like cool project and it, it hits me maybe like a ton of bricks, maybe every mm. month. This is only helping 20 people. And the mm. the magnitude of um, you know people who are without housing and without food and without um, clean needle exchanges and without like like all these things is so much bigger than twenty people. Like, what are we doing here? Putting years of work into any of this? And zero Mace fifteen just uh, even though it's a very personal story for you, it's it's kind of one of those like what. What's the point if I try to help <laughs> in this way? It's only it's only a drop in the bucket, um, and so yeah, that that song has like had a big resurgence for me in the past year. Cool. Yeah, it's um, not not maybe not in the way that you want, but it's. <laughs> I'll I'll take it, man. Any I think any way that the Lord is using Firewire, and I will take it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so what you got, uh, um, like you, you've always been, uh, very outspoken with five iron about, um, different issues with the church. And you've already mentioned how, how much you're, um, just sort of like wanting to, needing to call out the church. Like what, um, you know, major issues have been on your mind in the forefront, um, recently, like what, what kind of. Um, thoughts or themes are coming through with this new record. So, <clears throat> so that has kind of been the rule with Five Iron is that we don't we don't say anything to non Christians about their lives, you know. And it, I don't I don't believe that is the the you know the example that Christ set for us. I think that I think the example that Christ set is love. Love everyone. Yeah. If you're going to, you know, like he did call out and condemn people in the church or in Judaism for hypocrisy and for hurting other people um, to the point where he was chasing them out of the temple, you know, with a, a whip he made. That's pretty yeah. heavy. Yeah. But not against the unbelievers, you know, like he, he, he loved them. Um, and then the apostles, same, same thing. Um, so for five iron, if we point fingers, it's usually at ourselves or at the church and the new album just, there's, you know, like I said, we're barely holding back, (laughs) barely holding back. So it's, there's a song about how I think school shootings keep happening because it's capitalism because arms manufacturers are making Mm. gobs of money. I don't understand why the church is in bed with this Mm. literally. Okay. So in Leviticus 18, where it talks about like every, every baby boomer in the world, including my mother will be like, you know, tattoos are the mark of the devil, right? You know, it says in Leviticus 18, you shouldn't mark your bodies as the heathens right before that. Okay, so that is taken out of context, but in context mm. is straight up talking about how they used to to 
uh, how the the early um, like the early Jewish people would worship the Canaanite god Molech, who was the god of war and death, and they did it by taking their kids and throwing them into this giant furnace oh, for Molech to worship yeah. war, mm-hmm. which is what we're doing right now with our own kids to mm. worship war we're just throwing them to molecs i'm so upset about it though yeah. you know like look look at that hypocrisy if you want to mm-hmm. call out people for having tattoos how about call out the church for sacrificing kids for war yeah. or worshiping war mm. think of of all the republicans you see on facebook or in the news right now that are like yeah oh Jesus is number one. USA number one. Mm-hmm. Guns is number two. Right. You know, like Second what? Amendment, right? Isn't that <laughs> it is number two, right? What? It's, where where do you yeah. get that from the character of Christ? Right, right, right. Yeah. So we have a song about that. We've got song just songs about corporate greed. Just mm-hmm. the church getting behind just corporate greed just greed in at all um uh there's specifically a song calling out the church for siding up with the president Um, oh really wow yeah good for you man Uh, (laughs) (laughs) ballsy yeah and it like you can you can be like romans 13 all day long and be like hey we're supposed to submit to our authorities Mm -hmm. cool like I, I am down for that, but that doesn't mean you have to worship this yeah, dude or right. say that he's not a freaking rapist or a racist. You, you put a PRC in there. However, <laughs> work. However it's, you want to it, that word. It, it is super. The like the thing. Yeah, the thing that I've found most interesting is the conversations I've had with with neighbors and with people outside the church that are super confounded by that. Like they're like, what, why, why is the church linking up with, with our, our, our president? And it's like, disgusting. and, and so then here, you know, I'm having to like, I'm trying to share Jesus and the hope of, of Christ, you know, with, um, with my friends and they, they're asking that and they're dumbfounded, you know, and trying to explain to them. It's, it's opened up the door for some really think deep and really amazing conversations. Um, but yeah, the world doesn't, they don't understand. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's interesting, like just this, I mean, we use, I mean, abortion becomes the hot, the hot issue, you know, and you're like, Oh, well, you know, we gotta, we gotta vote for anybody. And that becomes the one the one topic and had a conversation recently with, with a Catholic who said, you know, like, man, the, how the church has gotten in bed with, with the issue of abortion, he said, has like, he said from a Catholic, like it has, it has ruined it so, so much. And he said, like, we're, we're not even talking about like pro-life anymore. You know, like it, it is, um, it's so convoluted and, and so disgusting. Um, You're right. It has nothing to do with life anymore. It's just being right. It's yes. just being oh, on that side. Yeah. Yes. We want to be on the right, the right side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Quote unquote. <laughs> yeah. Right. But uh, this, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's power. It's winning. Right. 
Like that's that's yeah. what uh that's what the goal is. Is winning. Yeah. 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 Which is gross. It's it like I don't I don't understand and I'm I I've I've gone back and forth with people about this for seems like ever now. Um how the the pursuit of power and the latching onto power in the way that the church does it can in any way be connected to the Jesus who um, pissed people off so bad that the powers that be threw him on a cross. Yeah. I I don't get it. I don't get it. And um, it's, it's, it's just baffling to me. Mm. You think about in the gospels, the times when they, there's like three or four times when, when the Pharisees just said, they walked away from it and they were like, we have to kill this guy. Yep. You know, yeah. like when, when he went in the tomb and rose Lazarus from the dead, uh, when he overturned the, the, you know, the temple and, and the money changers and drove them out, you know, like when he healed the guy with the hand that was waiting, by, the crippled hand that was waiting by the gate, you know, they, they couldn't deal with it. They couldn't, he came so close to breaking their laws and yeah. then they're just like, we're done. Yeah. Well, and I mean, even early, like his first sermon in Luke four, you have uh, the, this was uh, <laughs> William Barber pointed this out and I, I've not, I can't not think of it now. He, he gave a sermon talking about um, setting the prisoners free and, and uh, sight to the blind. And then, and then they get so mad they run him to a cliff and get ready to throw him off. And I'm like that, that's the, that's the sticking point. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the one that gets you like, Oh, I got to throw this dude off a cliff. Um, so, I mean, just it's, it's insane. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it, um, it, it's where they start losing control. Yeah. And so going back to the abortion thing, you can look this up. I think you can listen to the tapes still. I think you can hear them. They're in like the Library of Congress. Um, so Jerry Falwell was an advisor, like an un, like an unpaid advisor to Nixon. And mm-hmm. there are tapes of him with Nixon because they taped everything. That's why Nixon resigned. Right. But uh, of him with Nixon just saying, hey, I think I know how we can get more mm. Republican votes for you. The church at that point, mm. the evangelical church, mostly sided and and Catholics and, and just like the mainstream American church sided to the left because they were mm. they were seeing the character of Christ in mm. things that the left was doing, in that they there were social programs. They were fighting for civil rights, these things that they felt like were Christ-like. Um, for the most part, I think the church was pulling that way. If not, they didn't have all the votes they needed. And so Jerry Falwell was like, let's take this Catholic issue of abortion mm. and let's push it to mm. the church. Mm. And Nixon was like, it'll never work. And Jerry Falwell's he basically just said, let me handle it. And he and he and his cronies just hyped it up to be like, hey, who wants to kill babies? Nobody. Well, then you need to vote for Nixon. Wow, man. And it just went, you know, like the church just became the kind of the, the 
mouthpiece for the Republican Party. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's disgusting. It is. It is. Um, and yeah, I, <clears throat> I don't, I still am, am just flabbergasted with the um, one or two issue mindsets even mm-hmm. if even if it's not like cognizant of of um christians being like here's uh like i'm i'm attaching myself to power or whatever um it like there there can almost need be no conversation with some people right now because um abortion and homosexuality are all that's on uh certain folks minds and i'm like well yeah. so what <laughs> like what are what are we do? How how are we the church then? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It's bonkers. It's bonkers. It is bonkers. Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate you uh, um, calling stuff out like that, and I'm I'm glad uh, that you can do that outside of a label. Now, I think that's um, that that can be a helpful thing. Um, uh, as we're as we're wrapping up, I did kind of want to thank you. I don't I don't think I ever wrote you, but. Um, your homophilia blog post um, was was hmm. sort of in my first step. I always have to say the caveat that my views don't speak for this podcast or my church, et cetera, <laughs> et cetera. But um, but was my first step toward being really publicly affirming of my LGBTQ brothers and sisters. I like I it it was so very. Um, uh, personal and thoughtful and or thoughtful and heartfelt, but also um, uh, biblically based. It was like I, I loved it, and um, it it really sort of um, it 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 brought it took me that first step, and so I, I'm really thankful for that. Thanks, man. Yeah. <clears throat> so I got a question before we we sign off. Um, what? What led to like the transition of like going from, you know, making a living from being a band to, to kind of disbanding and to, (laughs) to like working a a real job? (laughs) Um, like what, what, what was that all about? How did that transpire? And then, and then you guys have still managed to stay together too, you know? And, um, yeah. Um, circumstance i think mostly i mean i don't want to say we didn't pray about it but i feel like circumstance just kind of led up well i just burped sorry (laughs) just led up to it um so like five iron we were super punk rock about everything when we when we were together first time um you could you could make a a living selling the amount of albums that we were selling so we sold 30 to 120,000 of each album that came out. And which sounds like a lot of money. We made, I think a dollar 32 for each album that was sold, (laughs) but it was enough. Divided by eight people. Five minute watches had this grueling schedule where they wanted Mm. an album every year. So we did that and just kept cranking out albums and it would pay the bills. And then we'd tour we tour about nine months of the year. Um, we could have done better money wise with touring, but we just felt like it was, um, 
so we we played with a lot of secular bands before we were signed and one of the things that really hit us were bands like me 330 or lesson jake that really cared for their fans and they would just go off the stage spend time with their fans lesson jake those dudes had in in their writer like or in their contract with their record company that they would have a a five dollar t-shirt and the label, when they got signed to Capital, Capital had to s- somehow fund part of that because they couldn't get any T-shirts that cheap. Whoa! They had a five-dollar T-shirt, and then mm. Capital part of it too was they had to pay for all this gimmicky stuff, you know, like yo-yos that said Lesson Jake <laughs> or, or frisbees, or they had like those little guns that s- made sparks and stuff, and yeah. they would just throw them out to people at the crowd. You know, uh, and so rad. that was, so that was the model that we were like, if the, if the church isn't doing this, then we are not, mm-hmm. we are, we are in no position to tell people about the love of Christ. So we had a rule that if any ticket price was going to be more than $10, we had to vote on it. So there had to be a reason, you know, like we were playing wow. at a amusement park or something and they were charging that much to come in, or we added a second band to the to the thing. So it was worth somebody paying 20 bucks. I think after a while, like maybe once it hit 2000, we might've hiked it up to 15, but it was still like all of our shows. We wanted to be cheap. Um, We toured with our own PA. A lot of the time it was Frank's, you know, the guy that owned five minute walk, but we set it up ourselves and Mm -hmm. bring a sound guy. And, um, you know, just to keep things cheap. So we made, as a band, we made, we gave ourselves a salary of 18000 a year, which after taxes ended up being $1,156.66. Oh my gosh. Every month. <laughs> which in your 20s, yeah. Yeah, when you you're can not do. married, it's awesome. You know, yeah. like we didn't, so, sometimes you could, you could just be like, my lease runs out here. I'm going to be on tour for six months and I'm going to save all this money. And then you, you know, whatever you could do, buy a computer or have a nice TV when you got home or something, (laughs) but it was, it was cool. And it was what we loved doing. And then probably about 1999 dudes in the band started getting married and yeah, made it about a year into that. And the wives were like, Hold on. Yeah, <laughs> you're got, you're got nine months of the year for this much money. <laughs> like, this is not working. You're um, hanging out with Reese Roper? <laughs> yeah. God. It, it was not working. So it just started causing a lot of tension. And yeah. I think not that the band wives were mean or anything. It just made it hard. You know, it made it hard for those guys because they had to provide and they weren't you know being in five iron i think that was part of it i think um scott our first guitar player who's now the bass player yeah um he had a complete crisis of of faith and decided he was an agnostic and then didn't want to be in the band and i think we were so immature in our faith that we were like yeah this is probably a good idea he didn't want to be in the band because he was so angry at christianity and just 
didn't he d- didn't want it. He just wanted to distance himself from it and had to. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had gone through that, and then then kind of at the end of of our run, Andy, our drummer, was going through similar stuff where he he was seriously questioning his faith. And again, now he's he's agnostic mm-hmm. or atheist. You have to ask him. I think he identifies as agnostic. Um, so that was happening. Wives were happening. We weren't making very much money. People are having to get other jobs. Dennis, um, tied into his job, which he's doing now, which is he makes music for commercials. So oh, that's right. Most of the time when he was on the road, he was working. Hmm. He'd like work all day doing phone or like, uh, like working on his laptop and then we'd play a show and then he'd be back to working and it was really hard on him. Um, so we just kind of felt like either we were going to break up by choice or we were going to break up because we hated each other. And we, (laughs) we did that. And I ended up because Frank Tate, the owner of five minute walk wanted to, he was like, Hey, really want to break a band in the general market. But I, I, you're the only person I know that I think could do it. How about we make one more album, see how it does. And so I did Roper and it didn't do well. So I was like, mm-hmm. I need to finish school. Um, I, I think I, a lot of us. I might be up, the um, only one who could say this. I was so hyped for Roper that I, like on <laughs> the morning it dropped, I ran to Walmart and they didn't have it. So I stopped at the, the record store on the way back and Thank grabbed you. a copy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still, I think that album is probably my best thing I've ever done lyrically. It's I so freaking it. good. Yeah. And I love the album. I just, I don't like how I sing. <laughs> you okay. can get a new singer for that band. It'd be great. <laughs> I, I love, um, and I hope, I, I feel like you don't take stuff too seriously, but I love that the band Roper is basically the biggest punching bag on the I hate five iron frenzy group. <laughs> like every three days, someone's pissing about Roper and it cracks me up. <laughs> yes. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um, so as we, as we close up here, um, real quick, you mentioned, and, and I get, I just, I, I think there's something here. You talked about immature in, in faith and, and like, uh, people dropping out because they were um, having struggles with spirituality and you like letting them go. Like, what do you think that is? Because because I know I was a lot more black and white, hard-lined in, around that time in my 20s and um, am a lot less so now. Like, what do you think that shift is? That ship, like... Shift. The shift. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had my headphone halfway off. Um, I think everyone has doubts in their faith. I just think that it's accepted now. Like, I I think that if if you had this, you had to go through some faith journey in the 1500s, people would think you were a witch. Mm. You know, like mm. you had to at least fake that you were going to church, even up to like the 60s here. You know, you at least had to go to church to have some sort of standing in society. You couldn't, 
you know, you couldn't be a doctor or a lawyer in your town without mm. making an appearance at church. Right. You had to at least fake it. Yeah. And we don't have that anymore. It's the opposite. It's a stigma to go to church. Mm. Um, so I think everybody is just that, that questioning that goes on in your mind, you have just a wide open space to do that. Mm. Um, but here's, here's what gets me into trouble is that like, I'm a actual Presbyterian. I'm a, I'm a Calvinist. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so please don't hate me, but I'm a, I, I'm a Wesleyan. So the exact opposite of <laughs> <laughs> exact opposite. <laughs> we will come to fisticuffs. <laughs> um, no, man. And I, I don't know if I'm right. I still process this all the time, but I, it is my hope that because faith is a gift mm. that no matter what it will come back that that gift is there and um that that it was put there mm. by the holy spirit and it doesn't matter you know it doesn't you you can question it all you want but if if god wants you he's going to find you mm. here's also where i am going to get in trouble because um I tend to be a universalist in the way that I hope for things. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, can't I think quite... we sh- we all should be like you. You would think so. Yeah, I mean, like, so me being a nurse, I, 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 I'm a nurse in nursing homes, and basically, I had to come to grips with the fact that every single person that I see in there is going to die and yeah. die soon, you know, like in the next five years or so mm. they're at this point. If somebody makes it longer than that, it, it, uh, it, it's a miracle, you know, it is, or it's awful, you know, depending on what their, their life is like, but everybody is going to die. And how, how do I, how do I go about that? You know, when I was, um, when I was a kid and first got saved, it was in a very Pentecostal church. Mm. And so that the entire burden of their salvation would be on me. Yeah. I'm a Christian there. If they don't get saved before they die, you know, before they close their eyes and take that final breath, then it's on me. So me as a, as a Presbyterian, I'm like, no dude, that's on you, God. Mm. My job is to love them. I will share love. I will share your message and your hope mm. because I love them. You fix this. Yeah. So in, in that hope, I, I kind of become a universalist where I think there's not a specific spot in the Bible where it says you have to confess your faith or believe while you're here, you know? And yeah. Um, one thing that messed me up was I read this book called evidence of an afterlife and it's um, this project. This guy's not a believer. He's not a Christian, but he he does believe in like a higher power and and in an in an afterlife now, just from empirical evidence. Just that they <clears throat> they started to collect stories online when the internet first started. They were like, "Hey, this would." He had a near death experience where he died on the operating table and came back, and he he had read stories where like people said, Oh, I, I went into the light and I saw Jesus or I saw my grandma. And 
And I came back and he was like, I've seen enough of this or heard enough of this. I want to collect this. I'm also a scientist. So the guy's a physician and a scientist. And so he just started this project where they collected it and they have over 10,000 stories where people, they, they feel that it's verifiable. People have died and they see, they can say things that they shouldn't like mm -hmm. a guy died in a hospital room saw a shoe on the ledge outside two stories up above his window. And they were like, no, you know, like it's, it's just your brain. It's when you oxygen starts going out of your brain. This is just a, a pattern that people go through where they, their brain starts to shut down and they think they see things, but they're dreaming. And he goes, go up there and find that shoe. And they did. And they were like, wow. wow. But, so almost all of these people, they, they say the same thing that they're like out of their body. They can see things that like in 360 degrees, they know everything. They can feel what people are feeling and thinking. And then they are pulled by some, someone, some being, sometimes it's a relative. A lot of times it's Jesus. Sometimes it's Mary. They're pulled to a light and then they are like in the presence of this person mm -hmm. And they feel perfect contentment. And then they're shown, there's like a, a life review where they're shown their life. And all of them explain that there is like just this, this theme of this is where you hurt people. This is what you did and it hurt people. And like basically they're given the option to be sorry about it or not, or to see how they've hurt people. And all these instances they 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 either come back suddenly they don't want to or that person that being that has led them there has said hey <clears throat> it's time for you to go back or you need to make a choice you can stay here with us or you can go back um to me that's it's beautiful and i i hope for that i hope that guy's right i hope that every one of us will some at some moment be after we're dead, be presented with, this is how you hurt everybody. Hmm. Are you, you know, like, are you, you see this? Are you sorry? And then here's, here's the gospel. Here's Jesus. Do you hmm. want to go here? It wasn't it, wasn't it Rob Bell who said like that as Christians, absolutely. We should of course hope for that. Um, that's not making a, uh, a statement that's saying like, yes, this is the absolute truth that, you know, there, everybody got dies and goes to heaven, you know, like, but that we should, a Christ like person should hope for that, that we should hope that like that John three, six, there's John three sixteen, like that God so loved the entire world that, that his heart, his desires that nobody would perish. Like that should be our, it, it should, as Christians, especially like that should be what we long for and what we hope yes. for. Um, yeah, hmm. man, it's a, it's, it's so weird when you have to come to face to face with like those kind of questions of mortality once you're around mm -hmm. death a lot, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's good though. Yeah. I mean, I still, I still have trouble being with people when they die, mm. it's just, it's usually 
agonizing Mm -hmm. for that person. And it's never like in TV or in the movies. It takes a long time for people to die usually. Wow. Gosh. Yeah, I hear. I hear stories. I haven't been around a lot of death, but my wife working as a a nurse in the ICU, like she's got a number of deaths every week that, um, that she endures. And I'm like, I can't, I, that's, it takes a special person, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It takes a special person to do what you guys do. Hmm. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Um, well, so so uh, you've got the new album coming up. Um, anything else you want to be on people's minds coming up? I don't know. I'm <laughs> trying to. I've been working on a like a new wave side project for about ten years. <laughs> so I'm getting closer on that. It's called Heart Wrench. Nice, hmm. dude. That's right. Uh, well, thanks for thanks for talking with us. We we really appreciate you being here. Um, you can check out Reese on I Hate Five Iron Frenzy <laughs> on on Facebook. You are, I mean, you're there all the time. It seems like I I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't even go to his like actual page. Just go to I Hate Five Iron Frenzy. <laughs> I don't have an actual page. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, and then you've also That's got it. Reese Roper is not my real friend. Is there too? Um, yeah, I, I I mean there I in all honesty, it's um it's tied with one other for my absolute favorite um place on the internet just because it's like it's not it's mostly not just dumping on Five Iron Frenzy it's mostly just pictures of the most awful food combinations you could ever see like I don't I don't even know yeah. what's going on there I. If yeah. if I see a bad food picture, I post it there too. I like. I'm not sure what the hell it is, but I love it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just that and like just the derpiest memes. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's amazing. Like it really is in the in the middle of um like we we live in the worst timeline. Of course, um that's one bright spot. Is I hate fire and frenzy. Thank you. Facebook group. It's it's just an absolute delight. Um, uh, your self deprecation um, won my dad over. He hated you guys when I was in high school because I'd play you guys, and he, you know, he wanted to listen to classic rock or whatever. But um, your your winners never quit tour. Your final tour won him over. Just the the name, and then um, uh. Everything terrible that I show him from I Hate Five Iron Frenzy totally won him over. So he like he he likes how much you hate yourself and your band. So. Like, it is also true though. It's not a joke for me. I hate Five Iron Frenzy. Oh man, it's so great. It's so great. Um, well, thanks so much. And for the Unsuccess Podcast, I'm David. I'm Josh. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, you guys. Go.